Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. What up, fuckers? How you doing? How you been? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the Anti-Slut Chimene Podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, We love you. And if you didn't already know, uh, spread the word on the street. We do have our debut comedy special coming out on February 14th. That's right. It's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. It's going to be exciting. We can talk. We're going to be doing a, a live, a live yeah, chat. Yeah, yeah. A so live chat we'll in be conjunction with you. Mm-hmm. When it premieres at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Valentine's Day, we will be at our computers chatting with you. So uh, come watch it when it premieres. Get us on that algorithm and then talk to us. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, we'll be, it'll be like AOL days. It'll be super fun, oh super God, nostalgic. Cute. I mean, obviously, we, we do want you to concentrate on the jokes and enjoy the special. Maybe put together like a little party with your friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have questions, you know, during it, like, why'd you wear that? Or um, <laughs> I won't answer that <laughs> what one. Jo- what, what inspired this joke? I mean, we could talk a little bit about it. But we, yeah, Christine and I will be there. You know, and we'll we'll take Chatting photos away. so you know, you know it's the proof of life that we're actually it's actually us. It's not <laughs> someone else. Proof of life. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like to call it. That's what I like to call it. Um, and I realized also um, on the last episode, we kind of caught you up with things that you may have missed mm-hmm. if you weren't a Luminary subscriber. And mine was mostly death. Um, but also, I don't think I don't know if I talked about this, but I wanted to make sure I talked about it was I, I took over um, my family and, and my primarily my dad's longtime business, which is a baseball card and horror memorabilia store. Um, and I'm going to give it a free ad right now because Hell I yeah. think that's I think you can give your own business a free ad on your podcast. But it's called Perfectly Centered. It's been open since 1989. It was originally in Roselle Park, New Jersey. It's now in Larchmont, New York. 1989 Palmer Avenue. So please come visit if you're in the Westchester area. We sell all kinds of sports cards, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, Pokemon. Um, we do have Pokemon. We have vintage movie posters and old mad magazines and monster magazines and like a lot of really cool stuff. Like I truly like I I it's the only place that I'm like oh, oh, always usually happy is like when I'm in this store truly. Um and that's a real testament to the magic that's inside. I love having kids leave and scream on the street. That's the coolest store I've ever been in. I really appreciate that. That has happened more than once. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And if you are not in the Westchester area, give us a follow at Perfectly Centered Store on Instagram. Um, and just, yeah. Could you buy online? It. Uh, not, well, we have an eBay. We have okay. an eBay store that's more for sports cards. I'm trying to expand a little bit more, but it's like actually like super expensive and intensive to have a shopping um, section on your uh, website. Yeah. And then also, you know, 
I have to, someone has you to, have to be keeping mail, up with the inventory. mail it out. And, yeah. you know, that's a lot of, and we also have a lot of unique items. So it's hard when there's only one of something yeah. to have it listed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yes, uh, I own it. And then uh, John Campanelli, who you know from the show and comedy and being my friend, he is the general manager. So that's what I've been working on. <laughs> so I have a lot of things going on. But, you know, I am a business. I'm a small business owner now. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, something I am interested in. And I've always wanted to own a small business. I thought it would be a tea shop, but it's a baseball hey. card store. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny how that turned out. Yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> the tea shop is next time. It's so, f- yeah, yeah. And then also as a testament to like, your dad had that store and stuck with it. Right. Like my parents That's had- why I didn't want to give it up because it's right. just like, it hurt like the part of me that is very like loyal to sticking with things. Yeah, and it's beautiful. That's a rare, uh, you know, thing for a human being to 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 really be dedicated to something like that. It's, a, it's amazing. Well, he truly did what he loved. And, he, and, and when he opened the store, everyone was, you know, there was a lot of people, I think in his, life um who were kind of like that's like that's what you're gonna do you're just gonna open a store and he was like that's what yeah, i fucking want to do yeah right. it is and he was also like beloved in the industry like if you read the um google reviews and yelp reviews from the original store in rosa park new jersey i mean literally perfect five-star review wow very rare and expect then, nothing less randy and then also fucking amazing just yeah they were like you know he's the person who really knowledgeable about what he was selling fair prices and it's honestly one of the few times in my life where I was like, these are kind of like giant footsteps to follow. Like, I never really feel like that. I always feel like, you know, I'm fine. I'm trailblazing and everything. But I'm like, this is a situation where I've put myself in where I go, I don't know even one percent of what my dad knew about this business and i constantly feel like i am drowning and really fake i'm faking it you make sports it, baby. talk i am i mean <laughs> yeah and i know a certain amount of it you know just from being a uh, being in growing my, up growing up in the home and i know about the accounts and the cards and the brands that make them and the kinds of products that these companies make but it's just like when you literally don't watch sports i mean there is a a lot of frantic googling going on <laughs> and i do feel, i feel like i'm like doing i'm I'm doing an okay job, but I mean, it's, it's interesting after being, you know, spending years in comedy where I feel, you know, I've, sometimes I still feel nervous, of course, but feeling comfortable and confident and knowledgeable about the industry I'm in. And then just like literally out of nowhere being dropped into this place where I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I'm also dealing with all men again. Just every mm-hmm, career mm-hmm. I choose is just like me just being thrown <laughs> into something with all men. <laughs> and I'm going, ah, I think it might work out in this like one. Kathy. Kathy cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> ah. That was like an exact Kathy impression. Well, I <laughs> I think I think in, uh, in other industries, like I definitely feel like people, you know, like there is a a certain amount of disrespect is similar to comedy and like filmmaking, which were the other two male dominated industries for me um, with being a woman like talking. Down but to I you do and- think there, you know, this is a very like funny, uh, like a business of financial negotiation. And I do feel like knock on wood, they're less likely like to try and like m- be annoyed when I give them a price. Because I don't know, maybe they think I'm dumb and I lowballed them, or like I gave them a low price to begin with. <laughs> I you know, know, like two dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, I, I will, I don't know. I will say it in that tone, and I'm like, not. I'm not trying to like fucking be like a pool shark or something. Yeah. Yeah. I would. You fucking play innocent, baby. No, take no, them for a ride. I can't. I have to be very honest. If in this business, because it's my dad's legacy. Yeah, yeah. So if it was my, you know, if it was my own, I would feel more comfortable with making my own rules. But like one of the primary things, like my dad, I did, and like 
why we weren't rich and i always told him that was because his <laughs> prices were extremely fair and so one of my rules for the story is like that the, the price i want to carry that the prices have to be as fair as they That's can beautiful. with, with uh, but also allowing us to keep the doors open so yeah. yeah that is that is like one of the main things i told john i was like <laughs> we have to have fair prices oh man you and i grew up with such different values taught to us <laughs> so good for you perfect my I, I used to yeah that's amazing that's beautiful uh your dad used to what well i had a, my dad had a collectible store mm-hmm. for a very little amount of time and <laughs> was i was this in a, pennsylvania or virginia virginia okay and i had to work at it and we had to like go through people's trash or go to auction houses and we would bid on like a pile of trash basically and we'd have to go through it and i'm like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and they're like that they didn't really either but they weren't in it for like the love of it they right. wanted to make big bucks and yeah. that's why their things didn't last very long because yeah. that never happened um no but- my dad and i like we have we have this in common <laughs> in that like if we really love a piece in this store like even if you're willing to pay what we're charging for it like if we don't like your vibe we're not gonna sell it to you. that's amazing <laughs> i literally look people my brother- up and down i make the price higher if i don't that like you the most I corinne fisher that's rule amazing. i've ever heard i didn't want it to go to your home <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i'm crazy I used to have to chase kids that were stealing Pokemon cards out of the out of the store. My brother had to chase them actually because I didn't want to chase them. Um, but yeah, I was forced to work there when I didn't want to, so I fucking hate that shit. But um, it made me hate it because the TLC that your dad so lovingly put into his business was not there. So it's that's beautiful. That's you a beautiful love thing. It. You gotta know about it. Yeah. You gotta care about and it. And collecting things. I mean, we did have something. We we everybody in our family had something they collected, and mine was trolls. Um, I loved trolls. Oh, I have a bunch of trolls. Yeah, trolls and Eeyore memorabilia. So. That was the kind of life I grew up in. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's because, you know, it's interesting. Um, People do come in and and they think that it's like is a store of trash. And I have to explain to them that not like there are there are literal pictures of men that are like sold for twenty thousand dollars. And that's not even crazy. Pictures of men meaning baseball cards. Right, right, right. (laughs) A man with a piece of wood in his hand. You got good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We got good stuff. Got those Kobe PSA. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, if you want to email us, it's sorry about last night's show at gmail.com. Make sure the subject line is going to be informative of what we're about to read. And this subject line is my conservative boyfriend is a closeted homosexual, uh, bisexual. Sorry. My conservative boyfriend is a closeted bisexual and enjoys sucking dick. Okay. Let's get into it. Hi, Karen and Christina. I've been a guys we fuck listener since the very beginning, and I absolutely adore you both. I will skip the long list of praises because you both know how great you are and I'll dive right into it. I just recently found out that my boyfriend of two years is a closeted bisexual. I'm not closeted anymore. To give you some backstory, I'm a 29-year-old female and he's a 28-year-old male. We briefly dated when we were in college, but during that time, he was in a frat. I know this is a red flag, LOL. And I wanted to have fun in college, so we were both very much not ready to settle down. We remained casual friends and reconnected later in life, which led to our now two-year relationship. We currently live together, and in the beginning of the relationship, we had a lot of spectacular. Uh, we had a spectacular sex life. He is very kinky and has had a lot of past sexual partners, triple digits. I too have had my fair share, but his body count is far larger than mine. But uh, but his be- uh, but his experience and willing to try new things, willingness to try new things makes it fun. After about a year into the. Uh, After about a year into the relationship, things began to die down in the bedroom. We went from fucking every day or multiple times a day to every other day to every other week and then nearly once a month. I originally believed this was due to being out of the honeymoon phase, but it seemed more one-sided. I wanted sex. He did not. We had many discussions about getting our sex life back on track and trying to rebuild what we had once once had, but he said he was depressed. 
in a rut, etc. The sex would sometimes get back on track, but would eventually fall back into the same patterns. He has had a decent amount of trauma in his life, and I try to be supportive and push him to seek uh, help, thinking this would fix many of our problems. Along with this, I found him to have what I consider a pretty serious porn addiction. He told me he knew it was an issue, but he wouldn't completely stop. His porn usage went up and down throughout time, and initially I thought this was the cause of most of our sex-related problems, sex-related problems, and his depression. He tried therapy, but eventually stopped going, and I urged him to continue to go or possibly try medication for his depression. Long story short, he did not, and things continued to stay the same. Also, we live in the South, and he grew up with divorced parents in a Catholic household where he was taught to just suck it up and be a man. Now on to the dick sucking. Thank you. A week or so ago, I went upstairs to look for an item I had put in a drawer a few months <laughs> that ago. That feels vague yeah, as shit. Yeah, so vague, dude. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you sound like me, bitch. Come on. I went to look for an item I, I lost a thing, you know, in a place, and I went to see it. Uh, a week or so ago, I went upstairs to look for an item I'd put in a drawer a few months ago that I needed to bring to my parents' house. Okay, it wasn't a dildo. When I opened the drawer, oh. I came across an old iPhone. Uh-huh. That was turned on, but clearly hidden. I decided to snoop and immediately discovered the phone had Tinder on it. I checked the profile. It was made with no images, but advertised as a bisexual couple. Oh, shit. You were involved? Seeking female for discreet threesome. Oh. My heart sank. I went through the messages, though not many. I found he was talking to another man, a friend from college. Let's call him Michael. And they were recruiting women for a threesome with explicit details on what they wanted during the sexual encounter, which included my boyfriend sucking off Michael. Oh, so you weren't oh, involved. Shit. You, this did not involve you. This is scandalous. Damn. Yeah. There were also messages on his Facebook account from Michael where Michael had offered my boyfriend the opportunity for a threesome with him and his wife, to which my boyfriend responded that wanted to take him up on the he wanted to take him up on the offer. Michael asked if he was still dating me, and the boyfriend said yes, but not much else. I also found that grinder had been installed but was deleted wait what how do you find that out how do you know it was deleted she must be young boys are you (laughs) i was able to log into the grinder account wow but there were no matched or uh, matches or messages all of the messages seemed to have a pattern he would tell the woman what he and michael wanted to do he would then relay responses back to michael and the woman would offer her contact info and he would not answer okay so this is all foreplay basically that never led to anything I immediately confronted my boyfriend and he came clean. He said in college, he experimented because he was bi-curious and during a foursome, he sucked Michael's dick and Michael sucked his. He said it was a heat of the moment decision, but overall found the thought of a threesome with another man so unimaginably um, unimaginably arousing, he couldn't stop thinking about it. So much so, he found he was having trouble getting aroused for anything but the thought of group sex. He claims he is not interested in men romantically and would not be interested in having anal sex or even kissing a man, but the thought of the foursome and group sex in general has become his ultimate spank bank memory. He claimed he cheated on his previous girlfriend in an adult theater with two women. This is too much. And that was the last time he engaged in group sex. He also said his bisexual experience is limited to what happened with Michael, but he has been downloading Tinder and Grindr every day or every few months. 
talking with women or other bisexual couples with Michael jerking off, deleting Tinder, and then would feel disgusted and ashamed. He claims he has been continuing this cycle over and over and over since his experience with Michael. Okay, and let me just uh, stop it and say you're not talking to any women on Grindr. I don't know what the fuck you're talking no, about. That's only, only men. That's only gay guys. Okay. Or bi guys, but that one of uh, men. Uh, yeah, it's but. pretty gay. It is pretty gay. <laughs> that's, the, that's actually their slogan, Grindr. Grindr. It's pretty, pretty it's gay. gay. Pretty, pretty fucking gay, huh? <laughs> he said it's the closest thing he can do without actually going through with the act itself see he's too ashamed he's too ashamed to explore himself that's uh and that's in an impulse he can't control he's also over explaining to the point where i just think everything's a lie at this point yeah he's like giving he, like he found a phone and then all of a sudden you know his history of sexuality that you didn't know before yeah that's weird, a big one yeah. weird alarms yeah. are going yeah. off yeah, he has yeah, a right. separate phone for all of these dating apps no one that's ever a found serious a separate business. phone and said this is great yeah it's like it's ever. like his business it's, you have like a work phone yes. but it's just grinder and tinder <laughs> my yeah jeez he said it makes him sick because he doesn't want to have these urges. Well, you can't fucking help it, buddy, and can't stop watching group sex. No, he's porn. gay and he's trying to get her sympathy. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Looking back, I can sort of see where he tried to give me hints. He was interested in sexual acts with men. He asked me to have threesomes in the past, but mostly with other women. I'm sort of jealous. I'm sort of the jealous type. And though I would be interested in having group sex, very fun. I don't know if I could bear seeing him with someone else sexually. So I told him no. He brought up a male, male, female threesome multiple times with Michael, but I turned it down because I am very much not attracted to Michael. That's that. That's he cow. is. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to fuck Michael, but he does. And I thought it was a loophole for him to try to get me to say yes to a male, female, female threesome in the future. No, he wants to suck. You know, yeah, he wants no, to no. fuck. He wants to get fucked by a dude or suck a dick. After he asked multiple times, I shut it down for good and told him to stop asking. Given he is a semi-conservative Catholic and past frat boy preoccupied with hunting and football. Oh God, and football. This is exactly like the last episode of Euphoria. I'm mm. dying. I never thought he would be interested in engaging with a man during the male, male, female threesome he presented. I used to also joke that his masculinity was so fragile because he would get defensive over the stupidest shit that even. Even slightly touched on his manly ego. I'm sure that was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not something I And haven't. you're a cuck, too? Uh, <laughs> it's not something I haven't done, but I can tell you as someone who has done it, it's super not Doesn't helpful. make it better. Super not helpful. It's like finding a secret phone. It's not good. Uh, which makes a lot of sense now. Before, uh, Also, before anyone gets mad at me, I'm not saying a stereotypical manly man cannot be bisexual, but after two years of dating someone and living with them, I thought I would have known by now, especially, because... We've talked in detail about our past sexual experiences and desires. He's extremely embarrassed and said he knows he needs to seek help because he believes he may be a sex addict and thinks the porn usage is also causing a lot of urges. No, he's oh making a lot, lot of excuses. Yeah, he, he needs to shut the fuck up and yeah. you guys need to break up. I'm extremely hurt. He didn't confide in me sooner because I feel like I would have indulged in the fantasy with him. But at the same time, I can't help but look you at him a little differently. You have. Yes, he, he tried to ask you for the thing. That you and you said, said no. no. And you said no multiple times. And then you asked him to stop asking you. Yeah. So, girl, what? You shut the door on the conversation. Again, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like you didn't talk. So now your boyfriend's no. gay. But, but the, I you, mean, you have a clear con- you have yeah. a clear communication issue from the start. That's yeah. very obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The once kinky fun guy I love to fuck has been hiding an entirely sexual uh, sexuality in his second life. I just can't get the idea of him sucking Michael's dick out of my head. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds fun, but I it's, I get why it's not fun for you at this moment. Yeah, I told my boyfriend to go kiss someone on a mm. vacation he's on right now, a man, and he, oh. and he was like, no. 
Are you sure? I said, just give you, him a little positive? I said, Come give on, him you a little, little smooch. You want to go give him a little smooch? <laughs> Part of me is slightly turned on by this thought, but most of me is disgusted. I feel guilty for feeling this way, and I don't want to feel grossed out by the, this thought, but it was just such a shock. I feel like I need time to adjust. Sure. Initially, I was very mean and upset, but once the initial shock wore off, I calmed down, and I let him know it's completely fine to be bisexual, but the cheating is unacceptable, and I wish he would have been open with me. I come from a very abusive relationship previously, both physically and mentally. So for him to go behind my back, uh, knowing this entire time feels like such a, such a betrayal. I feel even more betrayed because he talked about his bisexuality with Michael and Michael urged him to confide in me, but he didn't. Michael and his wife are in an open relationship and she is aware uh, as well. So I feel like the only idiot in the dark and it's embarrassing. All right, you got to get over that, but we'll we'll get to that later. I can sort of understand why he wanted to keep this hidden given his upbringing and the way he tries to carry himself, but I don't understand why he couldn't tell me. We tell each other everything. Well, you shouldn't. Despite the issues in our sex life prior to the situation, we've been talking about marriage and children for some time now. We are truly best friends. <laughs> And have tons <laughs> and have tons in common. We love each other's family, and we were uh, saving to purchase our first home. But after this, I feel like I just can't trust him. He swears he was never physical with anybody, and that this is purely for self pleasure. But I just don't fully know if I fully believe him. Mm, I don't either, girl. Yeah, uh, he has already reached out to Michael to tell him he was able to come clean to me and would no longer be communicating with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and has scheduled an appointment with a new therapist who specializes in this type of behavior. What the, what's Hopefully the behavior? They're not a conversion therapy. Yeah, what's the behavior? Get like I don't know dick? who I am or like what I want, and I don't go after what I really, truly, genuinely want. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I hope he's going because of, like of the whole withholding stuff from you and not for the bisexuality. Yeah, because I'm, that, you don't need therapy. I'm for a that. little scared. Like when it, when it's like vaguely saying like this behavior. Okay, but just a little more. So, but again, after keeping such a huge secret and part of his identity from me for years, I don't know what to believe. I feel betrayed, lost, and confused. I sure, I'm sure he feels the same way. But I, at some point, I have to worry about myself and my own well-being. Since the old phone was discovered and he came clean, we have reconciled. He claims he absolutely loves me and still wants to be with me to build a future we once planned. And he has expressed how sorry he is. Though we are attempting to work through it, I can't help but still feel uneasy. That's your gut. We went from talking about marriage a few weeks ago to rebuilding trust from the ground up. Part of me feels like I'll get over it and we can take this opportunity to be fully open and make our sex life slash relationship better than ever. But the other part of me thinks I'll just continue to find out more, yeah. get hurt again, and waste more time and effort on him. He has had a pattern of not always following through with what he says he'll do in the past, which worries me. Because Sounds this, like husband material. Because this will require <laughs> uh, worries me because this will require a lot of therapy, devotion, and work for the rest of his life. Since finding out we've actually been having really great set hot sex again. Because he's thinking of Michael. Exactly. <laughs> I'm excited to fulfill slash incorporate these fantasies in our bedroom routine now that I know his true sexual identity. Hi, I'm Michael. <laughs> she has a day. Hey, Mister. You hey. want to come fuck this? Michael Butt. <laughs> I want to be open and accepting of his newfound identity, but I do worry about indulging too much and feeding the beast. In in the instance, it causes him more problems at, because after reading up on sex addiction, I do believe he suffers from he this. Doesn't. I, no, every, he doesn't. He just he just wants to fuck Michael. And every man who gets honest. caught is like, I'm a problem. I just can't commit. I just love having sex with other women and men so much, dude. My ex, right in the beginning, when when he wouldn't commit, d d like, and I and I 
face, gave him an ultimatum and wa- and actually came went through on my ultimatum and just walked away from the relationship, came begging, crawling back a couple days later, telling me he had a sex addiction. Yeah, oh it's my such, God. It's bullshit. You can't. <laughs> I have so many conflicting feelings and I just can't get this out of my brain. I worry that too much damage is done. You're right. I plan on seeking therapy as well, but I can't. But I can take all the advice or resources I can get. As always, appreciate uh, you for all of you do your podcast has really helped me navigate through many life situations sincerely a loyal fucker um, I think Michael needs to discover who he is for the first time in his life and I don't think you can do that with a partner I think Michael might be gay girl and and Michael, I know you deserves, think I- <laughs> Michael deserves the opportunity mm. to figure out who he really is as do you I feel like maybe you know a little bit more but also you, you overlooked some shit and yeah I, I don't think a relationship starting out There's already so much betrayal and so much lying, which, you know, that happens. Right. And I'm not saying you can never get over that. I think you could. But I I I want Michael to live his best gay life. I think he's probably going to be gay, but he deserves to give himself the opportunity to find that out with no rules. He's not disappointing anybody except himself in whatever journey that he would like to take. So I think your boyfriend, I think you guys should break up. And I think your boyfriend deserves to give his sexuality like a a fair try. But you got to explore that on your own. What I find interesting is I I need a little more exploration into this relationship between him and Michael. The fact that he's 28 now and he's still like having like this constant chat with this guy, this Michael guy who has been so open with his wife. I don't fucking believe Michael either. I think they're two long lost gay lovers. And that and that Michael's friend also got married because oh, of the shit. environment that he grew up in. And Word. he's just like, listen, I'm going to just tell my wife I'm bi. Yeah. And 20, you know, it's 2022. Nothing, and you yeah. can do that kind of thing. And again, I'm not saying that I, I'm not at all trying to erase bisexuality or say that it's not a real thing. But what I what I am saying is that if you're bisexual, if you have to be you secret about it. You can just be openly bisexual. Up. Yeah, exactly. It's, the, the, it, it's weird. The alarms are going off because of the hidden nature of this. And then when you found the phone, how he offered an excess of yes. information. Yeah. Yeah. That's he's a, too that, defensive. It's He's too defensive. And I think he's sitting on his own secrets. And I think that the only way he will uncover them is if he's alone. I think you need to sit him down, though, and be like, listen, like, are you like and have a serious conversation about like, do you have you ever felt like you might be gay? Are you attracted to it? Like, I think it has to you have to like go in a little harder, not not like interrogating him. But I mean, you do you do he deserve certainly, answers about where you stand. Um, I don't know that you're going to get the sexual. right answer. I, was say the I, same don't thing. Think, I don't think he has interrogated himself. And that's what he needs to do. I don't think a, I mean, a conversation, of course, needs to happen. But I don't think you're going to get honest answers from him because I don't know that he's capable of giving honest answers yet because he has not been living truthfully this whole time. I think he knows in his gut, though. He's old, like 28, 28. You know, he knows if he wants to fuck women or not. He knows. Show yeah. him the, show him episode three of season two of Euphoria and see how he reacts <laughs> oh, yeah, to that. Yeah, 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 see if, yeah. a little, if a tear is going down his eye during mm-hmm. the during the gay bar scene. Because but to Christina's point, even if he knows, even if he actually knows that he is gay and him and Michael are like long lost, that actually sounds very plausible to mm-hmm. me, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, that that relationship. You yeah. Don't just be like, oh, he's not talking to Michael anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He loves yeah. for yeah, Michael. He, Bullshit. Yeah. He likes a candle yeah. for Michael yeah, yeah, at yeah. night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. to Christina's point, do, is he actually going to admit that? If she if she confronts him about it, I don't know. Listen, he's you not going to come come clean. You guys know yeah. I'm fucking team breakup all the way, but I wasn't 100% team breakup on this just really? because wow. it didn't it didn't I, 
it's weird. I think it's all about like what you perceive as a problem. And yeah. for me, like, well, I think bisexuality, that's a, I, right. I think that's hot. Right. But if he's truly bisexual, I, I just don't buy that. Part. Right. Right. It, 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 the part that bothers me, I, whoever I'm with, I want them to know who they are. Yeah. OK. And, my, are. And, and your boyfriend does not know who he is yet. And also ask yourself because it seems like it seems like you're okay with the concept of bisexuality, but doesn't seem you're like you're okay with the concept of non-monogamy. And like as the email went on, we're talking about therapy and stuff, and it does seem to me like he is actually going to going to therapy to try to fix the need to fuck a man. And let me tell you, that's not going to go away. I know he's saying no one. No, I wish it would. There's no one on the planet for me. I just need to suck a dick, but that's all I need because then you suck the dick and then you want other stuff in the dick. I don't believe that for a second. Inside of you, and then it's you know playing with the dick like it's a puppet while you know post coital and yeah. then all of a sudden he's you're gay. placating you because he's scared of of losing you because you feel like his foundation and you feel probably in a, in a in this unexplored life that feels very new and scary you are old and homey and i mean that in a nice way <laughs> i know i mean i mean that in a nice way i know it sounded not nice um but Get that old pussy over here. (laughs) I I do think the life that you want to lead is a little bit more traditional, especially with your past traumas. A lot of time that feels a lot more comfortable and secure and you deserve that. And so rather than thinking of like, I put all this time and effort into him. He's not a fucking house that you're rebuilding. We we constantly make this mistake as women. He's not a project. you You didn't waste time. You had this amazing sexual partner who was your best friend and he can still be your friend. But like, you know, he like obviously the friendship wasn't as deep as you thought it was if he was had this huge part of himself that he felt like he couldn't share with you until he was put between a rock and a hard a hard place and the hard place was michael's cock yes right so So. still be friends and then you know him and michael can invite you over for dinner yeah at their you know he's their lovely terrace in the backyard yeah if there's one thing that you take from this just know that he's fucking loves michael yeah Yeah. that's the most important thing to take from this and he owes it to himself to explore that yeah. He owes it to himself. And you owe it to yourself to have a partner that doesn't keep things from you like that. Yeah, it's a you, big one. You can be fucking mad about it, too. Yeah. Don't like, you don't, just because someone needs to f- come and get in touch with their sexuality doesn't mean that they have, they have to fucking screw you over so you and, can and, be mad. Yeah. And don't, and don't let him fall on the, well, I don't know myself. Well, get to know yourself, mister. You're Bitch, 20, you're old. You're if 29. you were a woman, you'd be kicked out of the Playboy Mansion by yeah. now. Yeah. You you'd be barren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You'd be a nana. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Guys, we talk a lot about therapy on this show. So you know we are big therapy advocates. Whether it's like a a small question uh, about something that's going on in your relationship or a big question like, should I move across the country to take this job? Sometimes it just helps to have someone not invested in the outcome, i.e. not friends or family or your intimate partner invested in the outcome to talk it through. It also takes the burden off a lot of other people in your life and, you know, reminds them that you love them just for being them, not because you are their free therapist. It's a great thing to learn coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it kind of just makes you the best version of yourself. Like, we are all given a version of ourselves. Why not make it the best version it can be? So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, 
flexible and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Because remember, therapy is like dating. If you don't like therapy, it really might mean that you don't like your therapist. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash guys. BetterHelp.com slash guys. Today's episode of Guys We Fucked is brought to you by Quince. I love Quince. Imagine upgrading your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. I love this website. I'm on it right now. They have suitcases. They have things for babies and kids. They have men. They have women. They have home. I love a home section. Oh my God. And the products are gorgeous. Like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. Okay. Organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, because I do have tops that are silk and I do wash them and then they disintegrate, but not on Quince. Okay, the best part of all, all items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Okay, I love, I have this beautiful Hunter Green purse from Quince that I love and use every day. Their bags are gorgeous. Indulge in affordable luxury. Just go to quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Come see us live. Come see us live, you guys. Uh, New Jersey, I'm headlining Bananas Comedy Club in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, February 25th and the 26th for four shows. Portland, Oregon, I'm headlining Helium, March 3rd through the 5th. Baltimore, Maryland, uh, I'm going to be at Magoobies, March 24th through the 26th. Five shows total for both of those weekends. And if you haven't already, uh, I have a solo podcast called The Voices in Our Heads. Uh, There is 89 episodes available for free on iTunes. And I've continued the podcast on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. And you can find all these episodes and also um, my woo-woo shit that I'm getting into. There's a lot of recommendations for videos. And I post videos of uh, personal moments in my life that I do want to share, but only with a small group. Uh, Like me finding out that um, I was a sperm donor baby i have that on camera because i thought originally it was a joke and then you see very clearly that no it wasn't (laughs) 
And then for me, uh, I'm taking a break for a couple months from touring, but in April, I'll be back on the road. Fort Collins, Colorado. I'll be at the Comedy Fort April 15th and 16th. Those tickets are officially on sale now because I pressured them. I made them put them up and people have already been buying tickets. And apparently Fort Collins, Colorado, big hub of coolness. Had no idea, but I'm excited to go. You guys know I love Colorado. And then my podcast with Shane Smith, who you've heard on this podcast, is Without a Country. Um, while you're on YouTube subscribing to the Guys We Fuck channel, go over and subscribe to the Without a Country channel. Again, it's free and you get full video of me and Shane talking about politics and roasting politicians every week. It's fun. And also, at the very least, if this is the only motivation you have, it'll give you a lot of fodder to talk about on all those dates that you're going on. So you don't just have to talk about, you know, I don't know, lipstick. I don't know what what, what everyone talks <laughs> about on, on dates. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it'll be it'll be good. It, it's like a way to ingest things that are happening in the world and important without making you want to blow your brains out. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't already follow us on social media, our, our duo account is at Guys We Fucked without the you and fucked. That's for YouTube and TikTok as well i am at christina hutch and i'm at philanthropy gal uh and michael i'm at mike coscarelli oh cute uh um i i just wanted to say um if anybody out there listening has ever purchased a fart in a jar (laughs) can you please email us i'm fucking obsessed with this i am so obsessed with this thing because you know women are taught to be so much that we're not uh, and 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 the fact that there are men that buy farts and jars from women, I almost don't believe it. But there's a woman that was making six figures a year from from putting her fart in a jar, farts in jars, and then mailing them to men. So please, I won't out you. I won't. Put, you can make a fake email if you want. You don't have to. I'm not gonna fucking say your name. We have a lawyer, Chad, who like looks over everything and tells us to bleep it out. So yeah, Chad won't let your farts I couldn't, out. Trust couldn't me. out you if I tried. Um, but I want to hear. I'm calling for submissions. Do you fart in jars or do you buy farts in jars? I want to talk to both people. I want to hear from you. What is it? What I don't want to shame you. I'm just so curious. I'm so curious. And on the next I, episode, so Christina curious. starts a small business. Possibly. <laughs> I'm farting anyway. But it's so funny. Like, men don't want chicks farting in front of them, but they'll buy. I mean, it's a very niche. I imagine a niche group of men will buy the farts in the jars. It sure is. Men, men like being demeaned though there's like there's a big there's a big lot of money in like being demeaned right like a pay yeah. pig yeah, yeah like yeah, a yeah, sub yeah. dumb sort of thing. and that yeah. I get that I get absolutely but I, I don't know anything about farts and jars and I want you to open up my world and tell me about it so please sorry about last night's show at gmail.com I'm dying to fucking figure this out subject line could be like fart in a jar jar yeah. of farts farty fart toot toot <laughs> poot poot we'll get whatever it. It's just something in the ballpark. We'll, yeah, we'll figure it <laughs> out. Please, yeah. I mean, we've asked for crazier stories, so please reach out. Oh, how are you? Man. Oh, great! Another re- really good friend from high school dropped dead. Oh, hey everyone. We wow. can't. We cannot stop. Honestly, at a certain point, I don't like to make things about me, even though I know people think I do. But like, at a certain point, you go. It's- What's going on here? Right, this is right. A little wild. I've, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a large amount of people in their 20s and 30s, and I guess a couple people in their 40s just dropping. It's not normal. It's not normal. So yeah, I don't. I've only been to one funeral in my life. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. This. <laughs> so is, yeah. 
This is, yeah, this is like someone, this was a, fr- a good friend of mine. Um, I'm so I used sorry. to go over his house all the time in high oh. school. I feel like he's, I feel like I can credit with him. He's the person who like taught me, he would later, later come out as gay, but like add, add him to the list of gay people I, I kissed. But, um, uh, and I knew he was gay at the time, but I was just like, I need to learn how to kiss. And like, I don't want, that's I, perfect. I'm nervous trying on a, a, a guy that I'm actually like have feelings for it and could possibly have feelings for me. So right. I do recommend if anyone is open and willing in your life who's bisexual or gay and will, uh, entertain it. Will entertain it. Like it's a. It, w- it was great. Practice it was making out. Very soft, delicate kisser. I felt very, Ooh. very safe. Um. Yeah. So I mean, really a a part of my sexual history here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I oh. mean, it's just like every like Paul texted me, and I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me right now? But it's also like people who I've had like really weird. Ex- I have a series of people who I've had really like deep, like almost private weird experiences with um, who have been through like a lot of emotional turmoil and who reach out to me. And this is long before guys we fucked. Obviously, I have a pattern and it continues. Um, but there's just like there's just something about I don't know it, it, it truly feels like that's the scene in in the little mermaid where like the lost souls but I mean I'm not Ursula because Ursula is doing bad shit to them but I do feel like a lot of like really like people who are really like f- trying to figure out who they are and maybe not not figuring it out in the right way like reach out to me and we have these moments but like I also can't I can't then take care of these people for the rest of my my life and then what do you like what do you do and then they you know ultimately all end up dead oh so is this a person From that drugs uh, or sought your advice or something or yeah, i mean it's in addition to the experiences it's someone had. who over the years has i've you know had to distance myself from because they were obviously reaching me reaching out to me and a mentally unstable thing and that's and that's just like such a common theme in my life with so many of my friends really a lot of friends from from my hometown mm. um to the point where like it gets scary i'm scared for myself i'm scared for them and then they end up in a coffin so right 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 you right. know it's just a, it's a lot of uh if you feel it's like, like how do you process that how you, does one process well that? because you want to be there for the people but i also i can't put myself in danger i can i'm only one person i, I can't extend you know i try to extend help but i'm also i'm not a mental professional i'm also going through my own shit um and so it's just weird to have like this these series of people who i was very close with at times end up dead and then have all these like you know have weird voicemails from them or weird messages that i've gotten over the years or text messages and obviously when you kind of do something that puts you in the public eye people reach out to you a little bit more but that's not that's not the case with many of these people these are people who you know were close and reached out to me long before yeah i had anything to offer anyone besides just you know a friendly a friendly shoulder um mm. but uh yeah so i was like this is it's getting like super weird at this point mm. um so yeah and then i wrote this which I, I, and i thought i was gonna know what that um stood for sc oh i remember what it said for i wrote sc and i was like i was like <laughs> that that is a note that means strip club oh, I was, I was oh like, boy i was like what so you know uh, rest in peace anthony i don't know really what to say about that i'm still processing that but i just was like jesus christ in this theme of death that is overwhelming um and then i get like really crazy and i think like all these people are like haunting me but you know i mean i don't know if they haunted you in real life do they continue to haunt you in in the afterlife Maybe. Probably to say sorry. Like, I'm sorry, not girl. sure. Sorry, I haunted It's you not about well. sorry. It's it, there is a certain sense of like again. I don't really like, guilt is kind of like a, a feeling that has there's no n- there's no there's reward or goal or anything with with guilt. But there is this sense of like uh, 
you know, if people reach out to you over the years and they're people that you were close with, but then they start to scare you and then like three, you know, plus of them end up dead. And like, is there something I'm doing wrong? Is there some, do I, should I be reaching back out to these people, even if their mental health scares me, scares me or yeah. they're doing something for themselves? I don't know the answer. I mean, I'm well, kind of no, just at the end of the day, yeah, but. but at the end of the day though, it's just like, you know, with, uh, when a, when a parent is acting like the child is the parent, uh, and it, but it's and it's always like it's not your responsibility to parent your parents. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, not your, and it's not your responsibility as a as a friend to 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 be in charge or or the leading the leading driving force behind this person getting mental health. No, of course not. And th- these are not people that I just like. I, I didn't ghost any of these people. It's just people that I I over the years had to distance myself from slowly. Yeah. Um. And you know, and it's all a lot. A big part of it in most of these cases is they weren't. You know, they weren't people who I thought were taking their mental health seriously, still getting into like a lot of drugs and shit, which like I I just don't. Drugs is just a hard no for me, honestly. Like I have I've dated a lot of people who used to use drugs, but like beyond pot, I'm like I'm or psychedelics, obviously, which is different. It's like just it's just like a hard. It's just not something I'm ever going to deal with or tolerate or just an absolute no for me mm-hmm. um and again we all have our boundaries and our hard outs and our hard no's uh maybe they're reaching out to you because they know that uh, of all the people you would care or uh, i think also some maybe like a sense of stability but it just feel, it feel at a certain point so many people with a certain thing going on in their life um reach out reach out to you and you go okay well there's obviously something about me that is drawing in this energy. Yeah. And I mean, if we want to get really woo-woo, it does go back to like past lives. Like this is, this has apparently been happening for like lives. And cause I, cause like I was exploring, like, was I someone who was interested? And it's like never me, but I always like to hang out. I always like to hang out with people who are going through something or, 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 or roughing things up or who are kind of shunned by society. Like that's always the group that I like to hang in, which stands true to today. Even though I don't feel that way about myself, I always like to hang in those circles. Anyway, mm. this is just, mm. just kind of something I'm talking out out loud right now because I literally just learned this like in the past like 48 hours. Um, but yeah, uh, and then I've been like super depressed lately and like I just really needed to go out. And I so I went out drinking on uh, Saturday night because I have like literally only like one night that I can go out, which is Saturday nights. And that's the only day I don't have to work up, wake up early for work the next morning um, in my week. And yeah, so we went out. Christina w- was there for part of it. You know, Justin Silver, Ryan Long, Danny Polishek, all the people, Dylan, of course. Uh, and then we did, we were kind of talking about going to a strip mm-hmm. club when we did went you guys you. End up going? And we did end Yay! up going that night. We were, you know, we closed that strip club down, but it was so funny. It was actually a good experience because we went to the, uh, the, it's this, the same like umbrella company, but we went to the different location, the one that I'm more familiar with. And it was fucking, I mean, we showed up at 2 a.m. This strip club was wall to wall. What? But that's oh, not necess- Tell me afterwards. I want to go. That's not necessarily, it wasn't, there was no room. Like it was oh, too wow. much. It was oh. too much. In Manhattan? Yeah. It was too much oh. people. And then I, I mean, I was fine with it. I'm, I'm just kind of like, I was like very much like go f- with the flow along yeah. with the ride. No, expe- I don't have uh, expectations when I go to a strip club. I mean, probably because I'm a heterosexual woman and I just don't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, just want to have fun. But like, obviously, Dylan, the bar had been set so high from his like ideal first trip to the strip club. <laughs> and so it was kind of I was kind of like bummed because it was obviously like not of as good of experience. Like it was like, you know, it was like more like you're getting, you know, there's nowhere to sit. There's no room. People right. aren't paying as much attention to you. We had to use this like literal drug dealer that I think my friends are indipitously new to get in in the first place who we just <laughs> met in line in a Balenciaga Ooh. sweater you know so all these things are cool. happening 
so New York. But I was like, this is good though, because like that is one thing I think Dylan needs to get used to. It's like he, I think it's he's had a lot roses. of like really like positive experiences like just thrown at him. <laughs> and I do, I do feel like it's like made him kind of a brat in a lot of ways. Yeah. And like as as part of like my bitterness coming from the fact that like I didn't grow up rich and I don't get to go on free ski trips to Utah and I don't just like walk around like taking perfect pictures all the time. Yes, and I've t- I'm totally open with all these things about him. But I still think it's like interesting. You know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, Big Jay Okerson didn't like fucking walk me through the door of the cellar the first time I like went there. So all these things is like, you know, at a certain point, you're like, oh man, I'm like, this is like annoying, right? Um, so not that I wish ill on him, and I t- and I totally don't. I like want I want his life to be good, but I also don't want to date someone who has had like a life without challenge, right? And like he didn't, he didn't like he didn't have like a, a, as nice of a childhood as I did or anything like that. But he also like you know wasn't getting like beat or something so right um, but uh, yeah it was just interesting to see someone experience something that had been so idealistic the first time around <laughs> and then see it kind of without rose colored glasses oh man <laughs> made me fucking laugh a little you should, bit you I love seeing people get served with a dose of reality like it really brings me satisfaction and I know that's fucked up and I don't care that's so it's funny you it's should funny have a dose of reality is what makes you learn yeah. and grow I mean yeah. you have to have that well especially Ooh. when he reacts by basically having a tantrum and then he, and then he gets mad at me because i said I, I told him not to have a tantrum in front of the stripper and then he got embarrassed but then d- did i pay for a lap dance and did he go take it yeah of course <laughs> of course you really should for his first time you should have taken him to like one of the jersey strip clubs like oh, delilah's and tom river Tom's well it was River's very unplanned like you invite me on that go. trip oh i haven't yeah i mean also, i haven't been to delilah's in like club, 10 years but planned but. out or no you don't do that I want to go to a strip club with you guys, but I just, I just want to like know that I'm up for a bit long night so I can mentally prepare. Well, we prepare. kind of had planned. I guess the time I went with John Campanelli and Esther Pavitsky, but I mean, when I say, say planned, it was like probably like 12 hours of planning. Yeah, that's because me and John were working in the store club. together, and right. then he was like, "Oh, do you guys want to go to a strip club? We could do like a team out, so like it wasn't yeah, team outing. outing. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, we yeah. should do that. We should go to one in Jersey. Yeah, that'd be kind of. I'm great. telling you, the one in, the one in Tom's River, you are afraid. <laughs> Tom's that there's River, like, wow. Really that's far. where Jay Wild lives. Yeah, I mean that's that's where lived in. That was the first trip strip club I ever went to, wow. and it was just like I remember being in there thinking like this place could get shot up at any. Oh, moment. I don't want to go to that. It's well, just I mean, like, I guess any strip club. It just could, gives but... you this vibe. There's like it's like carpeted. It's like <laughs> it's just like so like yeah, like bowling alley carpet. That's yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting. And then the last thing I just wanted to kind of talk about quickly, although it's not a story that we sh- you should by any means like gloss over. Um, but it's kind of like you know go on and read more about this yourself. Um, um, so there's a woman named Lauren Smith Fields, um, and she uh, was found dead in a bed with her uh, Bumble date. Uh, and this this is all happening in Connecticut. The Bumble date was dead as well? No, 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 oh. no. She was found. I'm putting in quotes because like me thinks he murdered her. Oh, but, oh, oh, I see. I see. Um, it's, it's interesting because it's uh, a white man. He's 37 and a black woman. She's 23 and she was found dead. And uh, this happened on December 12th. But now it's kind of their family has been coming forward because they basically think because she's a black woman, he's a white man, that the case was mishandled. Mm. Even in this Daily Mail article and daily mail keep in mind is a uk publication and this happened in the u.s and you know daily mail not always my favorite but this but was, is this getting any coverage well, in the united states yes it is okay good. but this, this specifically i'm using this article because uh someone online 
use this article as an example of uh, like ra- racial inequality. Uh, and also, I think there's also gender problems here. Uh, but it says uh, exclusive pictured design engineer 37. That's the white guy whose bumble date 23 died in her bloodstained bed next to him after a night of drinking. Ooh. And just the wording of that. So like this guy who, let's be honest, probably fucking murdered her, probably had something yeah. to do with her death, is being named by his occupation. And then she's just yeah. some bumble bumble date and they also pointed out that he is like in this like serious hiking outfit and they put a p- picture of in her a, in a, in a dress. bikini oh, in a bikini, uh, in a bikini oh. on this article and so the family has been speaking out a lot and um in Connecticut and saying that um, the police mis- mishandled it. Uh, she, she died on December 12th at her apartment in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where she and Matthew Law F- Fountain had spent the night drinking. Her cause of death is not known. I what mean, the fuck? It, it's she, known. She woke up in her own blood. Oh right. And th- so there's so, so we're still this. No, no, we're, Jesus, now fuck. we're this late into January. And as you know, you know, from watching any true crime or Dude. special victims unit, the longer you let a case go, there's every fuck. It's time for people to clean up. People also people to hide things, things to to, to go on looked after. Obviously, how much fucking DNA was not swiped up in the right way? Like it's fucked. It's really fucked and, up. And, and it makes me fucking think. Oh yeah. my god! Not that this person didn't. Not that this case didn't deserve any attention. But Jesus Christ, Gabby Petito. There's fucking fan Instagram accounts for this woman. We know about that missing persons the second it fucking happened. And then this woman, a young black woman. It's. I'm, we're just now finding out. Well, there is about a lot. There the is case. a lot. There are a lot of articles about this, but okay. it, but it's basically I've not heard of it. the problem is like there was such a there are was such a gap, yeah, in, in, a gap in time. And I remember when the Gabby Petito case came out, there was all these people going, "Hey, there have been Native American women missing for decades, yeah. and it happens all the time, and no one got an article written about them." What the fucking shit? Well, I think right. Unfortunately, oh I think God. like the the thing is like not that we should be writing more articles about missing. I think it's kind of like we should just like stop glorifying missing like white women and that's so hard to say but it's like i think people yeah. don't understand how many people go missing on uh, on an average if the, like, col- the number is if they had a, if they had a count like they had the amount of covid cases during it's the high. pandemic where they were like a fucking ticker and to remind us about who was getting covid at every second of the day if we actually kept track of how many women are missing in america you would be probably very disgusted and appalled yeah and i wish that there was some honest reporting with that yeah, and like this, so really this is gross, like, it, it goes while spending the night with her, uh, LaFountain, that's the man, reportedly woke up around 6.30 a.m. and found Smithfields lying on her right side Bullshit, with blood dude. coming out of her right nostril and Bullshit. not breathing. He, breathing. he then called 911. Okay, so even okay. if this is true, okay. even if maybe... Even if the wildest case scenario, she she took some kind of a drug that went badly in her system. But just the mm. fact that this wasn't fully invest, investigated, that we don't have like a toxicology report, that they're, that they're just believing his word. Um, it mm. said uh, he told Rolling Stone that they found they found a used condom in. Okay, so what is this? Okay, um, also alleges that they blah 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 blah. blah. So apparently. Um, like that, yeah. They found a used condom in the trash in the apartment. Bloody sheets. lubricant, bloody sheets on her bed, and an unidentified pill in the unit. What the fucking vague shit is that? The, the, so the point is just really what? that everyone, you know, deserves um a full investigation, yeah. a proper investigation. Everyone deserves for you know their God, you know, forbid murder to be handled seriously by the police. And you never want to think that you didn't get the justice that you and your family deserve because you're black and the person that you decided to go on a date with was white so anyway i think this is just something to like that we all need to as women and 
people keep our eyes on, keep following this case the same way that we did follow the Gabby Petito case um, and make sure that justice is served, especially because this is something that's happening right in our own country, right in fucking our neck of the woods, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Again, it's Lauren Smith Fields. So, yeah, just wanted to, like, turn your attention towards that. Okay. So our guest now on to our guest. She is a former news anchor on CNN and CNBC. She is a New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch and Becoming Superwoman. Her new book, Miss Independent, comes out on February 1st. It's now available. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. Nicole Nicole Lappin. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. We are 
here with Nicole Lappin, author of Miss Independence, a simple 12-step plan to start investing and grow your own wealth. Um, I love... I love this. I don't even know what this page is called because it's not the dedication page, but you said, don't marry rich, be rich. And I mean, epigraphs to live by. Truly, truly. <laughs> um, what is you, wh- what kind of financial background did you come from? Like, what it was what's your experience with finances from a young age? No background. Zero. Whatsoever. Okay. Zero. Were Point you a broke zero. bitch? I was a broke bitch. I was a total broke bitch. I was like broker than a broke bitch. I was the brokest bitch in all the land. How broke and were you? <laughs> like, what are we talking here? We're talking like brown rice and beans diet because it felt fancier than ramen. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah. So, and how did this and, interest come about? Well, my parents were immigrants. And so, like a lot of first generation Americans, we didn't talk about money growing up at all. And so I was clueless. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening, like <laughs> next level. Like clueless. Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I needed a job when I was 18 and I lied <laughs> and said that I knew about finance. Yes. And I didn't. And I figured it out. And I realized it's not that serious. That's not funny. Yeah, we did a financial series like four guys we fucked. And one of the main things that I said was to lie, like not a crazy lie, but like a little lie on your resume. Because I feel like uh, men tend to oversell themselves and women tend to undersell themselves. And so we're kind of only getting, you know, tend to get like exactly the job that we uh, are have the background for when in reality we should be aiming a little higher. And exactly like we can learn we can meet whatever the needs of the job are like, you know, I, I, I always look at it and I'm like, eh, if I know like some of the programs that they need you to know, I'm like, OK, this is enough and I'll learn the other ones when I get there. You know, yes. if I know what some of the words mean. I'm fine. I'll figure it out just like I have figured everything else out before. So yes. like, can you can you walk us through? I think because like that's easier said than done. So can you walk us through like th- how the first couple weeks or months at that job was and, and what you did to catch yourself up? I was freaked out every single day. I broke out into hives. I put maxi panda under my armpits with that one Ann Taylor blazer that I own. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and you get your least yeah. stained piece of clothing and you wear the shit out of it. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. <laughs> and I was freaked out and I was so intimidated by all the guys. They were all guys on the floor of the exchange. I worked at the Merck in Chicago. Before I worked there, I thought it was a mall. It is not a mall. <laughs> it is the stock exchange in Chicago. And, and honestly, it was Wolf of Wall Street style. Back in the day, you know, that's 20 years ago. And the guys there, you know, did a lot of the stuff that you saw in the movie. It's not so much the case anymore because they now use it more as the backdrop for business news networks. But like I would be doing a report and some guy would have a shitty day and would pick me up and move me like what? that. That was real life. Yeah. 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 And then they throw money, just cash what? in everywhere. the office. Yeah, it was wild. And then I had like sort of a dress code i guess there were only three women there and the women's restroom was super super tiny it was like a closet (laughs) that's how you could tell the men's restroom was huge golden toilet and walking in i couldn't wear 
heels that were higher than kitten heels. Uh, mm. There was a certain number of like fingers above the knee that my skirt couldn't be like I was in Catholic school or some shit. Did yeah. the men have a dress code? No, they all wore their damn, uh, you know, traders jackets with the numbers on it and stuff like that. Wow. No, they wow. They did not. But I wow. Did. Wow, wow, wow. So it wasn't it so it wasn't an inclusive environment. Is what you're so saying. not welcoming, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very equal. Everybody, you know, <laughs> just sat around in Kumbaya at lunch and didn't, you know, have wild ragers, which was true. I mean, it I learned a lot. I definitely went to the school of hard knocks and you know, by being intimidated, it forced me to work harder yeah. and finally learn the language and then speak it to the world like casually i so i never imagined i would be teaching other people how to speak this language i was like the least likely person to be a finance anything so you like, learned to get from my the ground financial up. life together yeah yeah really. you really learned like gorilla style like just fucking get in there get her get there seems like there's some harassment there's some fucking uh archaic rules and you just had to go fuck that shit i'm learning this I had no choice, too. And, you know, there's no shame in getting a job for money. There's a lot yeah. of entrepreneurial experts and whatever out there now that will say, go out and do what you love. This great resignation, YOLO, FOMO, whatever, yo. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I didn't have a trust fund. Like, I didn't have anyone paying my bills. Right. I needed a job. If, I, if it were up to me, I would have been a poet. I started as a creative writing major, like sitting under a tree, hugging trees and, you yeah. know, reading Tolstoy. Writing like, love poems. Yeah. Thanks. Sonnets, <laughs> whatever. But no, I, that's not how life happened for me. So I became a writer, just not the kind I expected. I had the same job. I turned that into my dream job yeah. because I didn't have the luxury to go out and, you know, and I feel like like if you took if you take like a standard or old school masculinity and femininity, like what are little boys taught? What are little girls taught? And little boys are taught, you know, provide, be, be a provider. And it's like you have one goal that's shoved down your throat. And then when you get it, like, yeah, you're going to be like doing cocaine and, 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 and throwing money in the office like that because it's like you had one one order and you did it. And so I get how because I was asking before we started recording, um, there's somewhere in the book. It was like how to make finance fun for women. And I was like, is it fun for men? But it is, I guess. Yeah, there have been studies shown that little boys associate power words with money and little girls. So from a very young age, associate shame, guilt, mm. scarcity type words with money. How interesting. Mm. Wow, that is interesting for ourselves and our listeners. Yeah. No, I mean, I, even, you know, this is a our listeners have heard this before, but I think like it, uh, it it bears repeating because it was like a really disappointing time, I think, in our career for us when we signed, um, a, you know, this very uh, lucrative deal with Luminary. You know, we expected so many people to rejoice with us. And instead, they basically got angry at us that we were now, you know, charging money for this thing that we had given away for free for so long. And I think after a, a while talking about it, they realized that not only did it make the quality of the product go up and, you know, us happier and us able to to give more and take care of ourselves more. But it was also like the main thing was like it set a financial precedent in podcasting for women. Yeah. And and, I, and it was it, it kind of uh, astounded me that that wasn't like clear celebrated and, yeah. and, it, was, and it wasn't so clear to everyone because to me when I see like 
you know, women winning award, a women getting another TV show, women hosting a late night show. Even if I don't like whatever particular piece of art it is, I still say, yes, somewhat we're getting further ahead as a group. And it feels like sometimes people don't see it as that because there's still like this, this person got this thing and I didn't get this thing. It's very, it's a very individualistic mindset. And also there's, just so much mind fuckery around money that, you know, I like to tell other women to share what they make. And I go first. In all my books, I talk about my salaries. I talk about the advances that I made in the book. I just... Yeah, because then because how do we know what the bar is? What like to what, ask for? Yeah, yeah. yeah like what if, if I know that it's possible that you're making six figures doing this, then I'm like, oh, then I can go, oh, okay, I can do that too. Like, it's 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 very interesting. I'm 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 into woo woo stuff, and I'm re- I'm reading uh, a lot of books by this um, Dr. Caroline Mace. Um, she's she she's a lot of things. She's like a medical intuitive and stuff. But she talks about the chakra systems, and she says power and money are in the second chakra. And she had this sentence that I was like, "Fuck!" She goes, "If somebody wins the lottery today, and tomorrow they can go out in the world and think that they have the power to, to seduce any human being on this planet, but if you experience a financial trauma, you couldn't find the energy of seduction if somebody had a gun to your head because we equate money and sexuality." so hand in hand and you meet these guys there's a few times in my life where I've because I used to work in like luxury real estate back out uh right out of college as an assistant and um you're around when I'm around people that are billionaires I've been around some billionaires and you're like oh you have different rules like everything is it's just different for you like that that power and that amount of money is you could truly do anything you wanted to so so it's interesting to see women uh getting these positions where they're making fucking bank but it's this dance with power that i find very interesting because when corinne and i started making money i kind of got drunk on the power a little bit just to myself and like um i i never was responsible with money because no one really taught me how to be and i i didn't understand the concept so so did you find when you started making money that you had this drunk on power or dance with power or how did how did you how did you deal with that? No, I haven't had a dance with power. I still have my own financial traumas that I'm figuring out. And a big part of this book is dealing with your own financial traumas, because all the math and all the stories we tell ourselves about why we can't do it, how we don't have enough money to start are all BS. The math a fifth grader can do to get your finances together. That's not it. There's something else. There's some enemy between your ears. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I had serious financial traumas. Like I talk about bailing my mother out of jail with cash. Like it gets heavy. And if yours isn't that heavy, fine. Like, I'm not mad at you. But whatever you're holding on to, like, needs to get put down. And I think there's a combination between forgiving your former self for what she didn't know and also tough love moving forward. And you can say, you know, just because I didn't know those things, fine, but doesn't mean that's the way it needs to be. And in fact, it's not okay moving forward. And so, yeah, we didn't learn this in school. Yeah, my parents didn't talk to me about it. So fine. I forgive my former self for the debt she got into and all the stupid decisions she made. But now it's not okay. Like, I have to put my big girl pants on and get it together moving forward. And so I was never drunk on power. I actually always still have an irrational fear of being broke, alone, and homeless. And that's like my own issue. And I work that out in therapy. (laughs) And like I have awareness about it. But, you know, I still work like 
you know, I have zero dollars in my bank account. Mm. I feel like that's, that's also just, like being raised by immigrant parents. That's very, yeah, <laughs> that, that like stays with you. Totally. And a lot of those things, are you uh, first generation too? No, I just have a, like almost all my best friends from childhood are. So I have a lot of experience in first generation homes. New Jersey, though, it's kind of. <laughs> yeah. We're from New Mike says we're from New Jersey. <laughs> well, so it's, it's kind of it's the a different same type thing. of work mentality. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. And a lot of the things I rejected, you know, around not having a mortgage, you know, not having a credit card. I had a lot of weird, embarrassing experiences with money, as we all have. But, you know, I rejected those principles for so long. And some of them are actually legit. Not all of them. I mean, yes, you should use debt responsibly. But like, living below your means is actually good advice. I mean, this whole like living within your means situation is not my favorite. Yeah. So living below your means, I think, is a is not terrible advice. And, you know, I think that's a, a journey for all of us. Like when I became vegetarian when I was 11, I asked myself, self, do I like meat? And the answer could have been yes, because that's I was raised on meat. The answer was no. But I think it's that moment for all of us where we have to ask ourselves, like, just because it's been done a certain way, just because my parents clipped coupons and hoarded or spent frivolously or went on vacation or had a housekeeper or, you know, had weird stuff around money doesn't mean that that needs to be my story moving forward. It may, it, just because I've heard don't buy a latte from whatever financial expert doesn't mean that works for me. Maybe it does. But I think everybody needs to ask themselves and have that moment. Yeah. And I mean, I think I th- I know you're like you are talking a lot like specifically to women because women are talked to so much less in, when it comes to fiscal matters. Um, but what I find like giving advice like, you know, within comedy, with, which is also uh, a male driven uh, career field, uh, I, I usually like I toe the line between like saying that, you know, women have to kind of uh, navigate the world in the same way that men do and like beat them at their own game. And then there's this other school of thought that. It's like we just need to make this a different environment that is more inviting to women. And like, so how do you see that for the financial world? And and how does that affect how you give your own financial advice? I think it's really important to change our mindset around money. Money is awesome. Money gives us freedom freedom. and choice. It's empowering. We can leave a shitty power like Money without meaning is just paper, but money with meaning can be everything. So you can leave a shitty relationship because, you know, if you're being really honest with yourself, I got a DM this weekend uh, from a woman who said she read my book early and she said, you know, I've been stuck in a relationship and I've been scared to leave because I don't think I can support myself. And that is a pain point for a lot of women. And we just have to be really honest about it. The only problem we can't fix money or otherwise, but especially money is the one we don't admit we have. So once we admit what that is, that's a first step to any recovery. And so I think reframing your idea around it, not that it's scary, like this idea that women are upset that guys ask them to sign prenups like what the actual f like i have my prenup ready to go i was gonna say Take prenup is a wise power. decision totally or you you know it's letting the state decide uh if you're not gonna do it but whatever you're scared of that's what you should double click on and so reframing money as like this opportunity to go out and leave a crappy job and actually have your own back having your own back is awesome money can buy awesome things. And so I don't know why 
we've been told otherwise. But for whatever reason that is, it's time to change the narrative. Yeah, because I think I especially, I, you know, when you're spending a lot of time on Instagram, as I think a lot of us did during quarantine, you know, it, it's kind of like the people in the middle that people uh, that uh, people get mad at, like watching. It's like that watching that you know almost Cinderella moment. I'm like, well, isn't that kind of like the American dream, like coming into money? Because people don't seem to get mad at like you know the Kardashians when you're when you're wa- looking at their Instagram and like we would make fun of them almost if they weren't having these you know. birthday parties for their children but when kind of people in the middle like leave one tax bracket for the next one that's when the venom starts to hit and I find that so interesting I'm like this person's taking a private jet everywhere and you're watching someone like change their whole life and you're madder at the person changing their whole life rather than the person who's just like very ostentatious with their finances for literally everything that they go through um, and I, yeah, I, it's, it's, I don't know the right approach to get through to people, you know, cause you think like, oh, I can show by example. I can see like this. I want to say this is possible for you, but people just kind of get upset. I don't love the haterade. And I think comparison is the thief of joy. And I think what's important for all of us to remember is, look, we can't control anybody else. The only thing we can control is ourselves. We can't control the macro economy with inflation and all this other stuff that's going on. The only thing we can control is ourselves and our own decisions. And I think it's really important to figure out what it is we actually want before we start comparing ourselves to others and think like, oh, I feel so terrible about myself. This person posted a picture on a yacht. Like, I suck. I haven't also, been doing anything. You're coming from this mindset of like, only there's not enough money for everybody. Yes, there is. There is. Stop, you, like, that's, and, yeah. Yes, there is enough money. And to get woo-woo about it, I really do believe in the law of attraction when it comes to money. Money absolutely has energy. Yeah. And so our penchant is to hoard it and save it. And like, if we don't have it to just, you know, hold on to it really tightly. But actually, if you put more money out there, not frivolously necessarily, but like to charities, donate money, put money out there, you know, the energy comes back to you. I think, you know, not only doing that is important. You also have to get through some spending plans and figure out, you know, some investment strategies and things like that. But that's an important element to it. I think mindset matters a lot when it comes to money. Money is energy. Figuring out your own goals are important to do before anything else because goals have price tags. But if you want to sit in a lawn chair when you're an old lady and you shouldn't be upset at somebody who's posting about a yacht because that's not your goal. So I think we can have it all. But only if we really clearly define what it all means and stop changing mm. the goalpost on ourselves. Right. Have you ever dated somebody that's in a different financial situation as you drastically? And how did that go? Because as a women uh, making making good money, uh, oftentimes uh, we will run into situations where the guy says he's OK with us making more or it's very obvious that we do. And we're not rubbing it in anybody's face because that's fucking rude. But uh, the insecurities creep in and it's like, well you're on board or you're not like what are you doing like have you ever have you ever experienced that with with dating you know not much i yes i've of course dated in both directions uh but i think for me i've really tried to put my money where my mouth is and live by the things that i preach or espouse i don't 
by all of them, for sure. I would be lying if, and I'm a terrible liar. Um, but I, I really do try to go first with hard money conversations. And we will talk about all the things before we talk about money. Like, and uh, so got it. I like to talk about difficult things first. Y- you know, you can do this in any part, like trauma stuff. Once you open up about stuff, like I've already told you guys little things that have happened to me, then, you know, it kind of gives you license to do the same thing because somebody you know, went first. So I'm like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours in a relationship, if not in a relationship, just as long as you show yourself yours, just as long as you're being honest. So I think when you're uncomfortable about talking about something, or if you're like, you know, back to the prenup idea, if you're worried that somebody is going to give you a prenup, like do it first, Mm -hmm. go first, confront that hard thing first. And I think that's the only antidote, like the only antidote for shame is truth. Are there? Can you give an example of uh, a past uh, financially uh, around the topic of finances? Uh, tough conversation you've ever had with a partner? Totally. Um, having a discussion right now with my fiance about a will. <laughs> having a discussion about a prenup. Um, having a discussion about how we're going to split up bills and you know what kind of life we want. I don't think it needs to go in. Like guns blazing, difficult. Right. I think you can really. Um, Sex with Emily. Emily Morse was mm-hmm. on my show, and she said timing, tone, and turf. And I love alliteration, so I remember that all the time. And you know, when you're having these tough conversations, like you, it doesn't need to be like with your spreadsheets, like on the table, with like, meh, meh, meh. you know, it's really about your goals. What what these conversations are about, or how you want to live your life. And that's a sexy, fun conversation to me. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a hard conversation. Sometimes it becomes that for sure. But I think approaching it more from uh, a standpoint of how do you want to live and Mm -hmm. then realize we have to reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live the life we want. Right. Because I think there's even an email and sitting in our inbox right now uh, from a woman who makes, you know, she's like a realtor. She makes like $75,000 a year. And she's saying she's like on these dating apps. And a lot of these guys are making like, you know, $30,000 to $40,000 a year. And she's basically emailed us asking if, if she was shallow for not being interested in them. And I think that's a big part with women. Like we feel a lot of shame for different reasons. Like, oh, we should look beyond a man's finances. But like that being said, like men aren't looking beyond our looks. Men yeah, aren't be look looking beyond my be- titties, sir. You, you know, so and I, and I, I dare think, you. I think that's a great conversation to have, you know, loud, loudly that it's not just about the money. Uh, money says something about what you're doing, the drive that you have, the life that you see for yourself. And so I don't think there's any shame in expecting uh, your partner or your possible partner to make a certain amount of money. I don't think it's shallow. And I think that's just yet another tactic to keep women behind is to just say things are shallow. It's basically like that's just a lot like men setting these rules to allow themselves to continue to fucking phone it in. 100,000%. I have long said that dating apps should have like a debt filter or something oh, like that. These are way more important yeah, things. That's than interesting. Like, if yeah. he's 5'9 or 5'10, yeah. if he lives 37 or 38 miles away, like finances is the most important sure. thing in a relationship, the number one cause of the divorce, the number one cause of fights. It is not shallow at all. Mm. Like it is a much more important filter to have than, you know, I don't know. 
what are the filters now? I'm well, and that's so funny that you mentioned height because it's like when we have no problem filter. demanding someone be six feet tall, but then we're like, oh, should he make more than thirty thousand dollars a year? It's yes. like bitch, prioritize. Uh, <laughs> and also, so you're gonna you're engaged. Yeah. Uh, how what what say you about joining bank accounts? Like I feel I, like I never want to do that, but um, I don't know what's uh. What, then don't what are, do what's that. Your, what's your philosophy, personal? Personally, I like a yours, mine and ours account. And because there's always going to be a discrepancy, it's probably very rare that you make exactly the same amount of money. Then I think the hours should be weighted. So if somebody makes, Mm, you know, $100,000 a year and somebody makes a million dollars a year, you're putting 10 percent into the hours, it feels the same comparatively. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I, you know, have long advocated for a secret account for women. Uh, I yeah. am all about that. I I think that I've just seen too many women get screwed in divorce or when their husbands die. That's oftentimes when women want to get their or have to get their financial shit together. It's really hard to do it proactively, but that's the time when it's reactive, just like, you know, a diagnosis, God forbid, then you start eating healthy, but it's hard to do it without that. Right. And so I've just seen the turmoil in the aftermath. Uh, so I always, always advocate to have your own back. And I always advocate that, like, having those filters are fine. I, there was a New York Times article that talked about a woman breaking up with somebody after she found out they were in a ton of debt. Cool. You got out of debt. You don't want to be with somebody with debt. Like, Amazing. Yeah. That is a much right. better like breaker than the five, eight or five, nine or the green eyes or brown eyes. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and also she found out. So that means he wasn't up front because it's like if you are in debt, but he's, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan of attack? Do you have some goals that you want to be meeting? Like that's a totally different situation. If you're in debt and you have plans intact, you have goals and you have like, I want to meet this by this date, then that's a different situation. But if you I just find out you're in debt and you, didn't, you weren't up front about that and we're like in a serious committed relationship then you're a liar like you're and you're financial of it. infidelity yeah and it's that's real yeah do you have any stories like uh or examples that you're like that you will use as your like signpost of like this will teach me to forever because you said you've heard women whose husbands die and they're screwed or they get divorced and they're screwed where a woman was just completely dicked over from money that like you're like oh what a learning experience Oh, my gosh. So many. Um, I almost want to bring in Mike. There was this woman on the show. Oh, my gosh. My heart just broke for her. Um, She had like four kids and the guy, her husband, hid all this money in like different accounts. She didn't know. She was totally screwed. She was left like and then he became abusive. And then the courts didn't like have her back. I mean, oh, shit. Every mess upon mess can happen. And I know, you know, Somebody like they could never do anything to harm you. I get it, and I hope that you want to believe that. We, I want. I do. Everyone really can do, do something to fuck you over, no matter no one, how well you know them. If you don't have your back, no one ever will. Yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah, I love the secret. Amen. The 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 notion of the secret account and like to get just like push that out into the into the environment because women definitely need to have a secret account. So and that's like I, that's like safety yeah. 101. I like I think you know when we talk about safety on this show as far as dating or like you know we talk about money all the time because as you said it's it's the way to to ensure that you don't get stuck in an abusive relationship or one of one of the ways it doesn't fully ensure you but it's a, so a reason that so many people stay in situations that are not good and like that god it shouldn't be the reason. 
It absolutely shouldn't. And if you look back and you're really honest, let's say sure. you magically had a trust fund of five trillion dollars. Right. Would you have chosen differently in your relationships? Would would the balance of power be different? Would you have spoken up more? How would it be different? And I like to go back and if if it wouldn't be different, you're a better person than I am, because it certainly would have been different in some cases for me. But I think that's the freedom that it allows you. It allows you to be able to speak your truth. It allows you to, you know, be with somebody because you love them, be in a job because you love it, not because you have to or not because you need you're scared about, you know, making ends meet or, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so I like to reframe this idea from a place of deprivation to a place of aspiration, because oftentimes we think of money as like a really scary, like, don't buy a latte, clip the coupons, whatever. The apocalypse is coming discussion. And it's not. I think that that's you make more money. Yeah. I think your finances will follow if you change your mindset around it. So you you work very hard. You you make a lot of money. You're doing a lot of stuff for women. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about burnout and what do you do? Because I feel like that's something that especially um, not that men don't experience it, but I feel like women, especially kind of in this day and age, it's almost like we're trying so hard to play catch up so quickly that we ex- and, but we still you know want other things in our life. Uh, and it's like how you know it's it's that age old really question. wish you didn't have to how sleep. do we how do we have it all you know and I and I do think it's possible but i also see uh women including myself experiencing burnout a lot and like wanted to know your thoughts on that yeah my my last book was all about my recovery from burnout and a complete mental emotional physical breakdown that um ended me up in the psychiatric ward at nyu because i was completely like hit my rock bottom from the outside i looked like i had all the things and had these books and shows and you know whatever and and inside i i i say that it wasn't this spontaneous combustion because when i ended up writing a book about it they were like ooh are you okay cuz this led to like that situation and i'm like you know it wasn't one situation i think it was a lifetime of smoldering embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in sure. its path and so i don't think it's one particular issue i think that you know, we all have stuff that will kick our ass if we don't deal with it at some point. And so my recovery from burnout and a diagnosis that I loved having to, you know, a workaholic person having a diagnosis was like catnip. I was like, yes, <laughs> you I wear that this. like a badge, baby. <laughs> I'm going to be the valedictorian of the psych ward <laughs> <laughs> for the win. Hey, if you're um, going to be in there, be the best, right? <laughs> Right. (laughs) Listen, it's the great equalizer. It's the best and worst place I've ever been. And it's like the subway or the flu. Like they're, you know, actresses on Broadway to CEOs to homeless people there. And they're there because they're suffering and they need to get better. And in my journey to getting better, I realized that self-care actually and emotional wellness. The reason I ended up writing a book that became a business book about it is because it's inextricably linked to your career. I think it's the biggest asset or liability in your career. I think when your emotional wellness is on point, it can actually bring you more success than you imagined. And when it's off, it can bring you to rock bottom like it did for me. And uh, yeah, I I think in the 
having it all traditional sense, I think what they actually mean is doing it all. And I don't think we can do it all. But I think if we really define what it all means, then we can have it all and stop changing that. So for me, it was, I'll be happy when I get to CNN or to, when I got there, I was like, okay, but then I'll really be happy when I get to some anchor job in New York. And then I got there and then I was like, mm, but I'll really be happy when I write one book. And then I was like, mm, but I'll really you're chasing be happy when happy, I... Uh, you're chasing something that you need to conjure up within yourself, not from a job. 100%. It yeah. comes from within. It's hard to, yeah. yeah. And it's sometimes you have to be in a psych ward to go, oh. Because it's it's real. We're all, we all kind of got tricked into believing like chasing something outside of yourself is really what's going to make you happy when that is just the opposite case. What are some things that you do for your emotional well-being now that you know? Like how do you take care of yourself differently? You know, there are good days and bad days. And I think only a lifetime of good habits is going to be enough to counteract a lifetime of bad habits. And so in my last book, Becoming Superwoman, I also have a 12-step plan to have, you know, some of these tactics that I learned in getting through a mental health hospital and outpatient program and DBT class. And, you know, I went to Bali to meet with medicine men Ooh. and, you know, did equine therapy and like Ooh, met that. with Native American, he like all the all of the healers. Got I was like, I mean, happiness, shamans, all of them. And I was really lucky to be in a position to be able to afford that because a lot of this stuff is really expensive. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give the cheat code to what I you know, would have liked to have if I couldn't, if I didn't have the luxury of going on this journey for myself. So I didn't intend it to be a book, but it ultimately, you know, it became, it, it sort of wrote itself during that time. I was, it was the only time that I had really focused on taking care of myself in my entire career. Like I said, I, I started working in my teens. Um, I never took time off. I never put an out of office away message thing up. Um, and it was only then, you're right, like it kicked my ass. I was there in a in an emergency room at 2 a.m. with my assistant and my shrink, like canceling everything. And at that point, nothing else mattered. It didn't matter that I networked my ass off. It didn't matter that I was the valedictorian. It didn't matter. Like none of that other stuff that I thought mattered so much was important. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. How did you, uh, we talk a lot about this with guilt of, uh, in various situations, but I imagine going from workaholic and then, okay, you've burned out to the point where being in the psych ward and you have to really readjust how you live, how you work, what your schedule's like. Um, I can't imagine there wasn't guilt that crept in of like, but I, but I, ugh, like, you know, it, sitting still is very difficult, like for me, but uh, I, you know, how did you tame the guilt? Because I always tell people like, you just got to talk back to it. It's like learning an instrument. Like you have to get used to talking back to it. Of course, those guilty feelings are going to pop up, but it's what you do with them. You have to change what you do with them. But how, like, love, how did you do that? Yeah, I love talking to feelings. It's one of the tenants of DBT, which is now a lot of you know, Lady Gaga and Selena Gomez and whatever are talking about it, which is great. D- what's it's, DBT? Uh, it's, it's dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, I did it in an outpatient program, so I did an intensive on this, which is, I think finance should be taught in school, but also this. It was all the emotional skills that I think are far more important in your career and your life make you than resilient. a lot of the crap that we learn. Totally. And so there are different uh, modalities like mindfulness, interpersonal communication, um, emotional regulation and distress tolerance and these things and like how to handle yourself. And these things are so simple and almost obvious, but not easy and not ever really spelled out. And so one of the tactics in mindfulness in that uh, section of the program is to talk to those emotions, like think of it as a stream with these logs, like, oh, hey, like ruminating over your ex. I see you. What's up? <laughs> like, I I recognize you. And I think that those tactics help you realize what the whole gist of that program is the dialectics that two things can be true at the same time. You can love your partner and be in a fight with them. It's not black or white. Uh, you know, and you you sort of accept all of the things for what it is, the picnic of your life with the wine and the cheese, but also the bugs and the dirt. And so talking to those emotions is recognizing them. And that's the only way that's helped me from ruminating, which is you know, a lovely word comes from like how a cow chews its food and its different stomachs, but how we just get fixated on one specific thought and and can't let it go. So talking to it, uh, also talking to your older self, um, confronting those confronting those emotions and not you know burying them like we often do with a wound, right? With neosporin and like a bandaid, like let that shit breathe, let that yeah. shit talk. Yes, got a lot to say. Let, hear what the problems. Yeah, hear what they have to say because they they're more scary. Like we suffer more in imagination than in reality. That's the stoicism thing. And yep. and and we do it a lot with money too. Like we 
catastrophize and we think all these bad things are going to happen and like the IRS is going to come and beat us up and take us to jail and like, you know, whatever, um, whatever is going on in your head. I think it's important to play that scenario out. OK, like what will happen if you get audited? Like what are the next steps? You're not going to go to jail. You could, you know, call your friend that's a lawyer. You could live at your friend's house if you had no money, whatever it is, you you will be OK. And so entertaining some of those scary thoughts, I think, are the best way to get rid of them. So uh, moving a little bit more from money to relationships, we found out from Mike that you met your fiance uh, through a matchmaker. I did. And that's so, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Because it makes I, me want to sign up for one. Obsessed with matchmakers. <laughs> I, I would love to hear about the process. If you were hesitant. Probably, it's probably a lot different than Bumble. Yeah. I'm just so, <laughs> I'm just so curious totally. about this. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so I swore off dating. I moved from New York to LA. I drove during the pandemic and it just, I, I, it wasn't happening for me. And I felt like I wanted to really lean into my mission on this planet to help women and, you know, whatever. And so I, I really like was done before I said I was done, but I wasn't like I gave lip service. <laughs> you like, wanted to I be done be by myself. Like, totally. I love myself. I bought myself a right handed wedding ring. I was like, the most important relationship <laughs> is the one with yourself. And it's, it's true. true. And I love true. my right handed yeah. wedding ring. And I was like, if I ever have one on the other side, I'm always going to keep this one. You know, but some of that was bu- Yes. And my girlfriends who found their person really had to get to that place of like believing it. And so I was there and I got an email from this matchmaker named Talia Goldstein, uh, who's the founder of Three Day Roll. And over the years, she had been in contact with me to meet while I was single. And um, she finally just wrote me a note and said, I, you know, I know we've tried to connect. I have somebody in my service that I think would be a good fit for you. Can you just jump on the phone for a few minutes? And I was hmm. like, well, she was okay. like persist- or persistent with you. I know it seemed like she was like, girl, you really need someone. <laughs> right? Like, get it together. Nicole, yeah. I got no, you, man. She- you want him or not? That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> uh, and she, she had, you know, a lot of friends in common. She had just introduced Ali Webb, the founder of Dry Bar, to her now fiance. Wow. Um, and so she was like this boss bitch whisperer, which I appreciate. Shit, yeah. And so I was like, you know, the world is small. Like, take this, you know, 10 minute phone call. Sure. And so I get on the phone with her and I was super, super honest. I didn't like I didn't bring my representative to the call. I just was like, here's who I am. Here's what I want. If something and if not i'm okay by myself like i only want something if it's additive nobody has to complete me nobody it's a has cherry to on top like, to an already wonderful life you've created for yourself amen yes better said than i did <laughs> and so she was like well you're not right for this guy and i'm like cool no har- like all That's good so funny. she's like but let me put you in the database and in case you meet somebody else's criteria like i'll call you and i was like what do you think I said? No, thank you. Bye. <laughs> what, 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 what do you, did she tell you specifically what criteria you didn't meet? 
No, that's a great question. Oh, okay. I didn't even ask. Yeah. I was just like, cool, whatever, right, bye. Yeah, yeah. But Weird. also, I don't belong in a database. And also, if yeah, I'm going to go right. out with somebody, they're going to re- meet my criteria. So, like, right. how much is this service? Right. And, like, I wasn't expecting to throw down money on this phone call. But on principle, I don't feel good about leaving this phone call, being in a database, like, waiting to meet somebody yeah, else's yeah. criteria. Yep. So, I was like, what is your smallest, you know, shortest package? Like, I want to leave this phone call, you know, more empowered and if if somebody thinks it's weird that I have a matchmaker reaching out to them like there's that's not my person and so I joined this service unexpectedly and went through like whatever onboarding process they had and what really sold me was that they do the first date for you so I've had a ton of I'm sure you guys have terrible first dates. Terrible. And I'm like, why did I waste eyelashes? Like, why? Right. <laughs> why did? No. I'm so upset. Like, at these Ardell eyelashes that I can't use again. Um, and so they did their first screening with them. And, you know, they were like, listen, if you can afford it, you hire a recruiter for your company to hire the best executives. You hire a personal trainer. Like, you don't know about love, clearly. Um, <laughs> so hire a professional. And I was like, so funny. all right. I had zero expectations. I had, I just assumed, like, I just, you know, lit some money, money on, on fire. Money on fire, right? <laughs> it's whatever. Um, but the first person they introduced me to, actually, was Joe, uh, my now fiance. Oh, wow. And wow. he was an, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. He was an early investor in the company. And so I joke with him. He gets annoyed. So I'll definitely say it again now um, <laughs> <laughs> that he got like the right right of first refusal for all the ladies. As early <laughs> investor. Uh, but yeah, we we went out a year ago this week. Wow. For the first time. Yeah. Can I ask what the onboarding process consisted of when you hire a fancy ass matchmaker? Yeah, it was like Asking a for couple me. of Zooms, like, okay. you know, getting into finding clarity. It was actually good, ex, you know, just process to really articulate what it is I want um, and really just have super clarity. Like I had dated men who had kids before. And if I was really, really honest in my quietest moment, I was like, I don't want a guy with kids. Yeah. And like, I don't want to apologize for that. No, and, like, right. I makes really all the sense in the world. Like, yeah. If I, and, if I, if you're going to experience a baby popping out of a vagina for the first time, it's going to be mine. Okay. Not some other ladies. I don't want this to be second place to your firstborn. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or how, whatever was, your reasoning is, but <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, sometimes I would say, okay, well, you know, whatever, I could try it or, um, you know, you compromise on these little areas. You're like, I don't know. Is that, is it, is it, is it okay to demand this? It is okay. Yeah. Did you demand anything aesthetically? Um, Big dick. No. (laughs) Not aesthetically. Oh, actually. So I did a nice to have and need to have list. Mm -hmm. And on the, I really, as you guys are, I'm sure, are sensitive to voices. Christine will be more than me. But I yeah. will fall in love with a man based off of his voice. And I will yes! be repulsed by a person, man, woman, or child, based off of their voice. Yes. I will climax based on yes. a very good phone conversation. Yep. For yep. sure. Uh, so I put that in the must-have, need-to-have list, which some people wouldn't, and that's fine. And if I were being really honest, like... Victoria Beckham does not feel that way. You know, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's okay. To each her own. Voice matters to me so much that I often think about women who are married to men with voices that I would have fucking clawed Blown my eyeballs my out over. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I can find my list somewhere, but it's, um, I don't think besides that. Oh, uh, I put Jewish. And so I, this was a sort of part of my deep dive into what I was really looking for. And I'm not religious, but I really liked, you know, being culturally Jewish. And yeah. I was like, you know what? This is what I want. So yeah, that's it. Here's yeah. the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. weird how I feel weird about having a list, like a preference list. Isn't that odd? I wonder why. Well, because there's also conversations like I feel like in recent times where we like have to be open to like wanting to fuck anyone or be in a relationship with anyone. And like, I'm sorry, I just don't just agree yeah. with that. I don't agree with it. <laughs> I don't. Picky. I don't either. And yeah, I think that like if you stick to it, it doesn't you don't need to like say yes to all the people that you know, swipe on you. I know. I, I, I recently downloaded Bumble and then I haven't been on it since, but I was originally like, I, I noted I was watching myself already compromising with the swiping. And I'm like, girl, you got to take a step back. No, like go after what you want. Don't say yes so easily and go, hey, maybe I can put up with that. If you can't put up with the picture, you got to Yeah. Yeah. My rule on dating yeah. apps is like I very I've short, spent a very short amount of time there, but I only swiped if I would if it was someone who I would be excited to go on yeah. a date with. So I wasn't mm. swiping a lot, but I was also surprising my, myself with like some of the people that were matching with me. And I was like, uh, I Good this person's I definitely like visually out of my league, but it's nice that they swipe, you know, but it's also like what were their criteria? Like, were they only swiping on people that they were excited about? You know, because I know some men are just like yes and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what Mike, was your, I'll take whatever. So what Mike, was your what first? Are you doing? What What was your first date like with the, with your now fiance? Um, we talked on the phone. Um, and I wrote. I recently went back and looked, and I wrote the matchmaker that he felt like home. Very sweet. Um, actually, they introduced me to people at the same time. Um, and so I had a Zoom call with some other guy right after. Oh, so it was, was a video distracted. call. Yeah. Okay, Joe so wanted to not do a video call. And he said that it it's distracting and like you have to see somebody in person to get the pheromones in the sense. I That's like, what yeah. He, yeah. Your body will react voice. in person, not over. And it's kind of exciting to like talk to someone first and then see them after. Yeah. It's a little more thrilling. Was he as hot but, as you thought? Or did you see a picture of him beforehand? I did not see a picture of him. Ooh, before. interesting. Um but I always now, you know, even my single girlfriends who are still single, like look at a video of them, not just a picture. That's yeah. how I pick my dog. It tells you so much <laughs> more. It, I'm saying that's how I pick my dog. I'm not joking. I saw when I was going through the adoption process, and you know, like I don't know if you've ever adopted a dog, but you have to basically submit yes. an application, and it's like a really like competitive process, and so you have to be ready to just like submit the application any dog that you like. And I saw pictures of lots of dogs, but I saw this video of my dog who's now named Alfred eating a snack. And I just loved the way that he ate the snack. And I was like, we're going to get along. And we do. I love this dog. I love I love I'm like a real dog person. But like, I 
love this dog more than I thought I could love any dog, like ever, Aww. like insane. Like we're tr- like I truly feel soulmate like we're soulmate dog. soulmates. And I was like, it's because of that video. Like my boyfriend at the time would come <laughs> in, and he's like, "Are you watching the video of the dog eating the snack again?" And I was like, <laughs> "I certainly am." Because it's I, in my soul spank bank. because I knew. So I I love that. And I agree with that. <laughs> soul spank bank. <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree. You you can tell a lot of by a video of dogs or men. Yes. Dogs. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Just like their mannerisms, Mm -hmm. right? Or, yeah, I think that I had made the mistake in the past of going out with people who I'd have, like, also, you know, I could almost climax with a sexy text conversation with, like, a turn of phrase and, like, Mm. I love words so much. Mm. And so, and I'd I'd just run into issues where then I'd, see them and hear the voice or the some mannerism yes. that just that happens to me so way. often because I'm also I also ram, romanticize the written word and I've had like such good text message exchanges with several people who I then met in person and I was like can we go back to texting like <laughs> yes it's not yes. good I don't know who I was texting but it wasn't you it's not good <laughs> how early on uh did you have any conversation about finances with this person um, so he's a finance nerd too. So oh, we have a perfect. very financially nerdy house. We were bull and bear for Halloween. That's oh. how nerdy we were. Our dog's name is Penny. I oh. mean, so, so we're both geek out over like, it. Yeah, so yeah. That was we're, easy. We love talking about nerdy money. Stuff. Did you split? Um, the, did you split the first date, or did he pay? No. No, I am not. Oh, so I I am very adamant. Like for me, I don't care what any other women do. I think ultimate feminist is not telling other women what to do, but you do you. For me, I'm not going to touch a check on the first date. I'm just not going to do it. I'm allergic to it. Like I'll do the fake reach, (laughs) but that's about it. Like I'm not going to (laughs) pay. Period. End of story. I like the lady boner goes away. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Like, no, it's just not for me. I don't want to pay on a first date. Yeah. And so I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So did you fake a reach did. or no? I mean, obviously, if you're both there through this high-end matchmaker, you're both fine. So you don't have to worry about it. Like when you're on Bumble, you're like, I don't know if this guy's broke or what. <laughs> right. Like when you talk, did Sometimes you times they're broke and you're like, oh, what was the financial conversation uh, with the with the matchmaker, if any, before going into yeah, did she give you tips for your. Well, pro- so the guys. So when you the woman is the client, the guys aren't clients mm-hmm. or they don't have to be. Oh, so she's just finding. So just, how, she's just how is she just so she's just like finding people that she knows from her life. I'm in the pool. I'm in this pool. Oh, Mike's yeah. in the pool. Yeah, Mike is. Gets he gets a lot of uh, you know, emails. Oh, I from this company. They just well, email. No, me. I don't want to be in the pool. I want to be the fucking client. <laughs> so interesting. Okay. All right. And and I thought like if they reach out to people. You know, they'll reach out to anyone cold. They'll do a lot of Instagram stalking. Weird. Okay. Um, they actually slipped into Joe's DMs and asked if he was single. And he was like, yes. And then they scheduled a call. And it was Holy interesting shit. because I thought the perception would be that I couldn't get a date. So, like, why did I have to hire somebody to get me a date? Right. And and so I was like, oh, I don't know um, how guys are going to respond to that. But he thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, it's easy. Some- yeah. You do it for me? Hell yeah. It feels very <laughs> powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, this woman must be that, you know, sought after. I was like, great. They they promised me that the best, the, the right person would think it's the coolest thing. And he did. And so there wasn't, um, there wasn't like a, oh, he has to make a certain amount. 
conversation. Okay. I think, but I, I mean, would, she probably knew. Like, you don't want to. You don't want a broke dude. I wanted somebody who is ambitious and mission driven. Those were my main criteria um, because I dated a lot of successful men in the past that you know didn't have a mission or a purpose behind it. And like I said earlier, I think I truly do think that money without meaning is just paper. Yeah, and I'm I'm not about like making money just for funsies. Um, right. I'm really about like making an impact. And so Joe makes an extreme impact. Like they actually had me, they said, well, he wants you to look him up because he does political things. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh God, a Trump person. Like, do I have to guns or whatever? They're like, no, no, he's like really into pop, like alleviating poverty. And he wants to make sure the woman is like, okay with that. And like, which woman would not yeah. be okay with like, alleviating poverty like yeah. women who don't like who hate you know, warm chocolate chip cookies and like fuzzy puppies what yeah. yeah but apparently he had gone out with women who weren't into it so so we went on our first date um after our phone call I, in it was raining and i said you want to rain check he's like no i must see you tonight so he took me in the pouring rain we drove down pch and went to neptune's net which is like a you know, whatever divey biker kind of like uh, fish restaurant. I thought he was just coming. Um, that sounds fun. And we talked all night, and uh, that's actually where he proposed. Oh, I was like, not that night. Jesus Christ. Okay, cool. No, so he proposed. But kind of. Did you talk I mean, about? He asked me to move in after four dates. Really? Wow. Well, hey, when you know, you know, honestly. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to be kind of seamless and easy. Did you talk about money stuff before he proposed? Like, in terms of, like, yeah, you both geek out financially, but, like, in terms of, do, do we have an account together? Do we, like, what is our finances as a couple? Did you talk about that before he proposed? Yeah, we've always talked about that. Um, because also when moving in together, I... I recommend to others and also try to take my own advice that you really need to be aware of whose name the bills are under. Mm, right. You know, that's how a lot of women got screwed that, you know, that were the divorcees that I've ah. helped in the past where either the stuff wasn't under their name. So their credit, they weren't building credit or it was oh. under their name and it wasn't getting paid. So their credit was screwed. So what's the best option to do when you move in with the bills is to do a couple in your name and a couple in their name. Oh, not and to joint. have that, to have that your own sort of credit history of paying bills on time. And sometimes you need bills with like a utility bill with your name on yeah, it right. for like my TSA thing. And right, you know, right, 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 right. Yeah. Anything anything else to look out for before moving in? Because I feel like people the moving in when you to go from not living together to living together, you're still in a honeymoon phase like that's still, you know, it's still so exciting. And you're like, oh, now it's going to be a sleepover all the time. And now we're just going to have a slumber party 24 uh, seven. Is there anything else to look out for uh, through all of that bliss? I think financial infidelity is the biggest thing. And that's a hard red flag to spot because Oftentimes, you know, that's what people want to hide. So, you know, it would be the same as cheating emotionally or sexually. And so making sure you know how much debt they have or do they owe money to somebody. Those are the types of things that uh, people often try to hide. And those are the biggest red flags. So just be aware that a lot of people do that. And, you know, you can kind of go first with my tactic. Just be like, hey, I just, you know, I have like 
50 grand of student debt. Like, you know, I'm excited about what's happening. Maybe they'll get uh, forgiven. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you just have to believe them, really, because you can't really be like, okay, show me proof. Like, you just have to choose to trust until they give you a reason not to, I guess. Yeah. Or if they do. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could, you know, a little bit of a Nancy Drew. Yeah. Like, just be aware. Yeah. Like, be aware of the the types of, you know, letters that are coming. Just, you know, just, you know that person. Uh, but financially, you know, you always want to have your own back, especially if you're going to smush finances. And especially if you get married. Mm. Also, having kids is a whole other discussion of, you know, non-fun you know, advanced directive talks and other yeah. things. So it just gets more and more complicated. So from the jump, I'm not saying like, what's your credit score on the first date? But you can ask questions around that that will give you a sense of their responsibility. Because what is credit actually tracking is is how responsible you are. And yeah. I want a person that's responsible, maybe not Everybody does, but I always look at what kind of car they're paying with, too, because like if you're like well into your 30s and you're still using the debit, not and the credit, I go red flag, red. I'm basically exclusively dating people who use debit cards. And that's like my goal is for someone to have a credit card, (laughs) an actual credit card. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that weighs something because I was like, I have I have I've had a credit card since I was 18, like a real a real credit card, (laughs) not a not a debit card. Yeah. And I do you would like care that. about like what kind of Amex? Uh, no, I don't. I don't, I don't care about that. But I mean, like, yeah. And, and also, it's weird because Amex used to be a good way to tell if someone was financially stable. But then American Express gave this uh, very young coworker of mine who I knew was very bad with money an American Express card, and I go, they've obviously lowered their standards, so I can't use that anymore. <laughs> I can't use that <laughs> as a reader anymore. But yeah, that's a good barometer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for 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 hanging with us for an hour. We really appreciate it. Um, Your book, Miss Independent, is out now. Right. It's out February 1st. February 1st. So when it comes out. Yeah. So when it comes out. But you can pre-order it now. You can. Hell yeah. And then what's anything else you would like to plug where we can find you online, your website, etc.? You can slip into my DMs. Uh, those are the <laughs> kinds I get uh, asking about financial questions at Nicole Lappin, wherever social media serves or listen to Money Rehab every single day. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Guys Thanks, We guys. Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We will talk to you next Friday. Guys We Fucked is presented by Luminary. Created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen. Suck my wet ass pussy. (laughs) Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah, let's keep it. Who cares?
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. 